Hello, everybody. This is Reverend Karen from Fearlessly Feral Living coming at you. Trying something new today. I'm going to record the podcast on Zoom so that it can also be on YouTube. So we'll see how this works out. Anyway, today I want to talk about aids and tools and the difference between them and how using tools can help you live fearlessly feral and how using aids can help you use the tools. How's that for nonsensical? (laughs) But first, here's the official Fearlessly Feral introduction. Welcome to Fearlessly Feral Living, broadcasting to you from the Woogie Ranch out here in the back 40 of northwestern Nevada, where I'm a half an hour away from the nearest gas station and the nearest grocery store. This is a podcast devoted to using new thought principles to ensure successful, creative living. Fearlessly Feral is a focused ministry of Centers for Spiritual Living and is devoted to the vision of a world in which everyone lives fearlessly feral, in other words, wild and free. Today, I want to talk about what it means to live fearlessly. I mean, I think we all experience fear to one extent or another. It's how we respond to that fear that I'd like to address today. And for those of you folks who think fear is a good thing and we shouldn't try to eliminate it from our lives because it keeps us from doing things like touching a hot stove, I've got news for you. That's not fear that keeps us from touching the hot stove. It's good old-fashioned common sense. The kind of fear I'm speaking of is the fear that limits us. And I'm talking about removing all limitation from our lives. It's that limiting fear that I'm speaking to today. The kind of fear that says, you can't do that. What would people think? The kind of fear that says, you can't do that. You're too old to do that. The kind of fear that says, You can't do that. It's never been done before. Or just plain old good-fashioned fear that makes you put up the barriers to the outside world so no one can get you. The walls are up, both literally and figuratively sometimes. Figuratively, we don't let people in. We have superficial relationships. We don't allow close relationships to happen because they frighten us. And there goes the dogs in the background playing. If it gets too loud, I'll put them out. Figuratively, that's the figurative side of fear. Literally, sometimes we lock the doors, we close the curtains, we put up the walls. We block everything out. The only problem with those walls is that it keeps everything out, even the good stuff. It keeps out the sunlight of the spirit. So today I want to talk about using tools and aids to get rid of that fear that keeps all the good, yummy stuff from our lives and to allow us to successfully deal with the not so good, yummy stuff. So I have a theory. It's based not on scientific research, but simply on my own observations. This theory says that we go through life and life happens and it happens to all of us. All of us have had shit happening to us in our lives. It seems to be a part of life. It's how we react to that happening that makes all the difference in the world. Remember that old tale about the two twin boys 
who received the same birthday present had completely different reactions to the present. They received a stall full of horse manure. One boy was dismayed. He was heartbroken. He was angry. He couldn't understand why his parents would give him a room full of horse manure. The other boy was ecstatic. He said, with all this manure, there's got to be a pony around here somewhere. That's the difference between responding to fear in ways that limit us or responding to fear in ways that allow our expansion and our growth. As those two boys aged, I bet the one with the positive attitude learned some maids and some tools to deal with shit happening in his life. The other one, maybe not so much if he didn't change. He's probably the guy who was always blaming everybody and everything else for his problems. So today I wanna to talk about some tools and some aids to help us not only deal with life, but also get the good, juicy, yummy stuff from all that bad because it's in there. We just have to change our perception a bit to find it. We just have to be willing to look at life with a different set of eyes and a different attitude in order to receive the good that's always buried there. We just have to know that where there's horse manure, there's always a pony. I started Fearlessly Feral Living because I believe that we do not have to live life having succumbed to events that eventually begin to wear us down so that the light goes out of our eyes. This is what I want for people. I want people to enjoy life fully. I want them to experience all the good that life has to offer in spite of shit happening. I want all that good yummy stuff to happen for you. So when stuff happens, when shit happens, there are tools to deal with this stuff. These tools are so effective as to appear magical, but they really aren't. They work. They're powerful, they're quick, and they're easy. But sometimes it might appear that they're too easy. Nothing that easy, nothing that simple could possibly work. How can that work? How can that manifest in my life? How can that change my anxiety to peace and relaxation? How can that change my fear to love and faith and knowingness? How can they do that? Well, I'm here to tell you that they can and they do. <sighs> Sometimes I get frustrated even with myself because... I know the tools, I've got them, I've used them, and yet sometimes I revert back to using aids without benefit of the tools, and then I wonder why they don't work. Sometimes I revert back to old ways of thinking and believing, and then I wonder, how did I do that? How did I get there? My experience has been that people do not like to change their thinking. And this is one of the essential things in living a life free, to, free from fear, a fearlessly feral life. We have to change our thinking. The only problem with that is, is that sometimes the default setting seems to be that when requested to change our thinking, we go to the default setting of, well, the old way of thinking was bad. And we go to shame 
And we immediately put up resistance to changing our thinking because we don't want to feel shame. We don't want to feel bad. Well, I'm here to tell you that the ways we used to think or we thought that way because it served us. It served us in some way, shape, or form. And that doesn't make it bad. It just means we've changed. And those old ways of thinking are no longer serving us. They're not bad. They've just outlived their usefulness. Be willing to change your thinking. Don't go to that default setting of the old way of thinking was bad. Just acknowledge the old way of thinking with grace and get gratitude and release it and get a new way. Get a new way. So there's a belief system. This is the other thing that blocks us from living fearlessly feral. The first one is we don't want to change our thinking because it, we somehow think that if we want to change our thinking, the old way of thinking was bad. Oh, my God, please, no. The other one is that there's a belief system. It's a way of being that's so ingrained, ingrained in most of us, especially people who live in this part of the world in the United States. It takes over our life. And this is the belief system. It's a belief that it's always something outside of ourselves that will fix us. It's always got to be something outside. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side. We always try to go out there. That will eliminate the fear. And here's some examples. And before I give you the examples, I just want to say I'm not attacking, judging, belittling, shaming, or placing any sort of negative light whatsoever on any of these examples. In fact, I've used, indulged in, and still do use many of these examples myself. But these are all outer things. They're what I call aids. They provide a temporary fix. They don't provide a permanent fix. They don't work for the long haul. It's instant gratification. And I'm sure most of you know what happens with instant gratification. It comes and goes quickly. So here's these examples. Here's some aids that we all like to use. We call it the universe instead of God. That's a biggie. It doesn't matter what we call it. God's big enough to handle all the names. The principle behind calling it that is that it's an outer God. It's an outer universe. What's the difference between saying, I asked God to do this for me and saying, I asked the universe to do this for me? There's no difference. It's all out, outer. It's all outside of ourselves. There's no difference there. That's an aid when we go outside of ourselves to fix it. That implies a lack of trust in our own ways, our own strength, our own power. Here's another aid. We find peace in nature. Well, yeah, I do that all the time. I have to be outside every single day, no matter what. But it's still an outer fix. It's still very temporary. And what am I going to do? Like today, I can't go outside. We've got smoke from the fire, the mosquito fire. It's smoky outside. Can't breathe out there. I can't go outside today. What are we going to do when we can't go outside? 
What are we going to do if we live in a big city and we can only go outside on weekends? Are we going to be miserable the rest of the week? Nature's wonderful. It's a great aid. Being outside is a great aid, but it's only an aid. There's another outside fix that I absolutely adore. It comes under the umbrella category of new age. I'm talking about candles and essential oils and Reiki and energy movement and psychic healing and tarot and astrology. The list goes on and on and on here. That's all wonderful stuff. It's still outside. I use this stuff, but it's still a temporary fix because it's outside of us. There's another outside fix because it does, it goes within a little bit, but it doesn't take it far enough. And this is therapy. And yes, I've used therapy till the cows come home. I'm still using therapy. I've got an equine therapist I work with on a regular basis, or at least I will once I can ride again when my new hip heals. Hire a shrink, go to the treatment center. But recognize it's just the beginning. It's basically outside stuff. They only visit the inside briefly. They don't really take a deep dive in there, at least not in my experience. Do the work, but still stuff has to change on the inside. True change doesn't happen from simply becoming aware of what goes on inside of us. True change happens when we become aware of some deeply held beliefs and thoughts and perceptions, and we become willing to change those from the inside out. Here's another absolutely wonderful, for some people, not for me anymore, outside fix. It's drugs and alcohol. Now, I've been sober for 35 years. I don't use that stuff anymore. But it's an outside fix. How many people come home from work and have a few drinks? How many people have wine with dinner? How many people drink every single day? It's an outside fix. It does. It can relax you and help you feel better and loosen you up, make you feel better in social situations. I get it. I get it. The drugs can cover up pain, both physical and emotional pain. But when they wear off, all that pain, all that that uncomfortability, it all comes back. They're a temporary outside fix. So those are all AIDS. Some of them are really fun, really, really fun. I have a whole cupboard full of scented candles. I have a whole drawer full of essential oils. I'm wearing lavender essential oil today. It's all great stuff. I use therapy. It's all wonderful stuff, but they're just aids, which means unless we go deeper, unless we use some tools, we got to keep using those aids over and over and over again because they only, they're only they temporary. They don't last very long. So let's explore some of those tools, shall we? Now, here's a barrier that most of us are going to bump up to with the use of tools because I call these tools spiritual tools. Now, if the word spiritual freaks you out, don't use it. It's okay. You do not have to use the word. Spiritual means Nothing more than not physical. That's all it means, not physical. 
So spiritual means inner, emotional, mental. Physical means new age, drugs, therapy, nature. Spiritual is inner and lasting. Spiritual is tools. Physical is outer and temporary. AIDS. By the way, the word metaphysical, because sometimes people in the new thought world say metaphysical. That's what we believe in, metaphysics. Metaphysical simply means beyond the physical. So if you don't like the word spiritual, you can use metaphysical. Or just call them tools. I don't care what you call them. What I want to do is instill in you a desire to use them. Now, there's a zillion spiritual tools. In Centers for Spiritual Living, they actually list eight spiritual tools. I've created my own list that contains 13 of them. For the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to speak of two of those. But in case you're curious, here's the eight that CSL lists and teaches in a very cool class called Spiritual Principles and Practices. Here's the spiritual tools, the practices, they call them. Spiritual mind treatment, practicing the presence, direct revelation, self-awareness, gratitude, compassion, intentional manifestation, and sacred study. It's all really good, yummy stuff. And if you're curious about that stuff, take the class, Spiritual Principles and Practices. And if you're interested in the class, let me know because I can teach it. I can offer it. I've taught it before. It's a great class. But here's my list of spiritual tools. Introspection, connection, daydreaming, mindfulness, gratitude, prayer, treatment, contemplation, meditation, journaling, discipline, helping others, and forgiveness. Now, there's some overlap between my list and CSL's list. For example, in CSL's list, forgiveness is a sub-practice of compassion, and journaling is a sub-practice of self-awareness. I separated them out in my list because, well, I felt like it, and I can do that. We can do that if we feel like it. So, notwithstanding the need for a podcast describing all these practices, which I may do one of these days, I'm going to focus on connection, introspection, and forgiveness, and maybe a little discipline thrown in for good measure. Those three tools Connection, introspection, and forgiveness. If you do no other tools but those three, you are setting yourself up to live fearlessly feral. I guarantee it. I've seen it happen. It happens in me and it happens in everybody else that does it. So let's take introspection first and look at this a little bit. Introspection is about personal self-awareness. There's a reason the phrase coined by William Shakespeare, to thine own self be true is used everywhere. We have to know ourselves. We have to be aware of what's happening with our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions and our bodies at any given moment. And I'm right there with you when I say that most of us were not taught these things. In fact, some of us, me for example, learned that the only way to survive in life was to shut down completely. No feelings at all. Just press forward and do what's necessary to survive and fake it if necessary. I learned this when I got sober and I was in treatment. I learned I had no feelings. 
they would ask me, what are you feeling? And I go, what is that? I didn't know. So they gave me a feelings list, which is really helpful. You can find a feelings list, by the way. All you have to do is jump on the internet, go to Google, and type in the search bar feelings list. And you'll get a great list. You'll get a whole bunch of lists of feelings. Today, I still go into shutdown mode and can't feel a thing sometimes when something happens, when an incredible amount of stress happens all at once. But today, I'm aware of it. And today I know what to do to turn that around because going into shutdown mode doesn't work for me anymore. It simply does not work. So the first step in personal self-awareness and a good practice of introspection is learning to identify those feelings. Go ahead, go to Google, get a feelings list that you like, print it out or save it somewhere where you can get at it and get familiar with those feelings. By the way, I do this feelings inventory daily. That's where the discipline comes in. And I call it gentle discipline because this is not a punishing kind of discipline where I go, for example, and I exercise until my muscles are so shaky that I can't use them anymore. I consider that abuse. I'm talking about gentle discipline where we recognize what is good for us in our lives and we gently set intentions to do those good things for ourselves every single day. It's also good self-care to do that. This is what gentle discipline means. So we find out what we're feeling on a given day. And then if we're feeling something that isn't serving us really well, the key is not to deny the feeling. Don't do that. The key is to feel the feeling. Go ahead, feel it. Just don't do anything stupid behind it. Just feel it. I quite frequently will give myself a set limit of time to feel self-pity. I'll do what I call going in the backyard needing worms, although we don't have a lot of worms here because it's too dry, but you get the picture, right? I allow myself to feel that self-pity for a specific period of time. And then it gets so ridiculous that I'm laughing at myself and I'm like, okay, fine, we're done with this. So feel the feelings. Just don't do anything stupid behind them. If you get angry, that's fine. Get angry, punch a pillow. Or yell and scream, do whatever is necessary, but don't go out and kill somebody behind it. Don't go out and do violence behind it. Don't go out and drive a car raged, filled behind it. Don't do that kind of stuff. Feel the feelings, get rid of them, and then resume your life. Obviously, there's so much more to this piece. You can take a class to learn about this stuff for a workshop or do some private one-on-one -on -one here. This is just basics. I don't have more time to go over this stuff in a podcast format. But do this one step and you have taken a huge chunk out of living with fear and replacing all that fear with yummy stuff like peace and joy. This is what going inside means. We start from the inside. We go within. So the next spiritual tool is what I call connection. I consider this to be the frosting on the cake of self-awareness. 
or the cake and the self-awareness is the frosting because they kind of go hand in hand. You can't, I, for me, I can't do one without the other. I cannot go to that place of self-awareness, which at times can be a really dangerous neighborhood without connection. And sometimes I can't get connected without first having self-awareness. So it depends. I think the two go hand in hand, and I don't know that it matters what order we do them in. But connection is, that's the piece where we butt heads with a value system that says anything resembling power simply cannot be inside of us. It is outside. That's what we've been told our whole lives. God is outside of us. Spirit is outside of us. We cannot be, it's impossible for us to have all that power, be all that power. That's what's been indoctrinated into us. Now, I could go into all kinds of reasons why I'm not going to go there today. And I'm not going to get, I tend to get on a soapbox about it. I'm not going to do that. Just know connection happens within us. There's a Hindu story a Hindu legend that speaks of a time when all the gods got together to discuss where to hide the divinity that is a part of each and every one of us. One suggested they hide it in the highest mountaintop. Another replied, no, we can't hide it up there because eventually the humans will learn how to climb those mountains. Another said, oh, well, let's hide it in the skies. And the reply was, Well, eventually they're going to learn how to fly. Another proposed that we hide it in the deepest sea. And then they realized we were going to learn how to navigate the deepest seas. Finally, they realized they could hide it where we would never, ever think to look for it. And we would never find it unless you know about interconnection. Our divinity is inside each and every one of us. It's a part of us. When we believe in our own divinity, we are empowered, we are strong, we are invincible. We can use those tools and do what other people see as miraculous in our lives and what us, what we just see as, oh, I just use the tools. Of course, it's working out like this because I have access to my own inner wisdom, my own inner divinity. And I used that. So when we're connected, we feel that. We have that. We know we are a part of God. It is a part of us. We feel that we are a drop in the ocean, just as much a part of the ocean as every other drop. We feel that. We know that. From that connection, from that feeling, comes power. I love the analogy used in the Star Wars movie. You remember Star Wars. I mean, there's a bunch of movies, but this quote sums it up perfectly when I'm speaking of connection. This is by Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> One of my favorite fictional characters. He says, well, the force is what gives a Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us and it binds the galaxy together. That's what I'm speaking of when I'm talking about connection here, folks. 
I'm speaking about the force. I'm speaking about consciousness with a capital I C to represent all of who and what we are and all of who and what the rest of the world is. It's God in its deepest and most mystical interpretation. That's what I connect to and with. That's what I'm feeling. And that's what I'm advocating that you connect to and with as well. Something within yourself that gives you a sense of power and peace. For without that inner power, there is no power in life. And basically, without that inner peace, we're subject to lots and lots of fear. I don't care what you call it. Many names. Higher self, God, the force, consciousness. It's everywhere and it's nowhere. It surrounds us and it permeates it and we are a part of it and it is a part of us. Get a conception of what that is for you and connect with it and know that it is a part of you and you are a part of it. I know I'm getting a bit out there with the description, but it's an out there concept. And so, so, so important. And again, exactly the opposite of what most of us were taught to believe. (sighs) We live in a world filled with worship of outside things. Christians worship a God in the sky. New Agers worship candles and crystals. Wiccans worship Mother Earth. Scientists worship fact and the scientific process. Alcoholics worship alcohol. Codependents worship the alcoholic. We tend to worship anything that will keep us from going within because we've been told we're not worthy. We're worthless in and of ourselves. We can't do nothing. Hogwash. Bullshit. I do not believe that. I've never believed that. Ever. And I know I'm asking you to do the absolute opposite of what you've been told to do your entire life. I know it's uncomfortable to think in this way. God can't be a part of me. No, God's out there. It's too big for me. Yes, it's uncomfortable thinking about this stuff at first. But keep at it. It's only uncomfortable for a little while. To keep it simple at first, just know that when you make an effort to connect, that feeling that you get of peace that allows you to know who you are, that's connectedness. That's all it is. Do that. When you take a deep breath and you feel some tension slide out of your body, that's connectedness. Do that. When you think about what God is in your life and you begin to have a feeling inside of you of of peace and joy, maybe contentment, that's connectedness. Go there. Expand that. Deepen that. So that's a little bit about self-awareness and connection. Again, there's so much more. Those two things taken together are a double whammy of power in our lives. Those two practices can literally change our lives. They have. Just remember, thought plus feeling equals power. So now we come to forgiveness. 
So if we think about self-awareness and connection as a nice cake, I used the cake frosting analogy before. So now self-awareness and connection are both the cake. It's all yummy, good, and deliciousness. Forgiveness is the icing on the cake. I don't know that it's possible to forgive without first having the introspection and the awareness and the connection, the self-awareness and the connection. I think they're all wrapped up together. I believe that forgiveness is the most powerful spiritual practice that we can do. I also know personally that it can be the most difficult. And forgiveness is something that a lot of us really have an inaccurate perception of what it is. So here's what what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not about condoning bad behavior. We still get to set and keep boundaries when we forgive. Forgiveness is not about winning and losing. Doesn't matter. Winning and losing is such a toxic thing sometimes. It doesn't matter. Forgiveness is not about them at all, ever. Notice everything I've spoken about up to this point. I've never once mentioned them. Because it's not about them. Forgiveness is about us. Forgiveness is about giving ourselves the freedom to move on with our lives without allowing other people, places, or institutions to have any power over us. And we allow that when we think about them, when we focus on them, when we concentrate on them. So we turn our attention away from them and towards ourselves. Only ourselves. You may have heard this saying before. Not forgiving is about drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Not forgiving means we are drinking the poison. They don't die. They just willy-nilly go about their lives. Don't drink the poison. Forgive. There's a zillion books on forgiveness. Pick one. I'll put a list of them in the show notes or work one-on-one with someone about it or take a forgiveness workshop. There's a zillion of them out there. I spoke a little earlier about discipline. Discipline simply means that we use these tools every single day. Go ahead, use the aids. Do, Do it. Go to use the aids. Use the aids till the cows come home. But make sure you use the tools every day, every single day. So to close up, I just want to give you a nice little definition of the difference between an aid and a tool. So an aid is something temporary. An aid is something that allows us to get to a place where we are able and capable and willing to use the tools. That's the difference between them. Aid is temporary, tools permanent. Aids have a little bit of temporary power. The tools give us power for a lifetime. So wrapping things up, I hope that you've gotten something from this podcast. I hope that you 
recognize that aids are fine and good to use, but tools are where the power is at. Take a class, Centers for Spiritual Living offers them all the time. If you're interested in a specific class, let me know. I'd be happy to teach one. I'm preparing a lineup of classes I want to teach. Do some one-on-one -on -one work. I'm happy to do some of that with you. And in the meantime, I am knowing, fearlessly feral living for you and for me. And I thank you very much for joining me today. And you can connect with me by going to my website. It's fearlesslyferal.org. That is fearlesslyferal.org. And thank you once again.